Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. This is Dr. Jay Calvert, along with my very esteemed and exhausted co-host, <laughs> Dr. Millicent Ravello, by Zoom. Good evening. How are you? I'm good. I, I know that you have been working very hard, though. And I know that you have, like the other night when you said you had a five o'clock start time, I was like, <laughs> that, that's so not cool because you know you're not starting at five o'clock if it's a five o'clock start time. Oh, no, I started at like seven that night. Yep. There you yeah. go. Yeah. So you've been working hard, which is great. I know that, uh, you know, there's no substitute for getting in a lot of, a lot of good cases when you're, you know, just love operating, which is good. But at some point, you got to take a minute <laughs> to do a podcast. <laughs> That's mostly what I need you to do. Yes. <laughs> um, we have a great topic tonight. I actually thought um, this, this is something that comes up a lot, especially since you and I are doing many more facelifts. I think it's just because I'm getting older that, uh, <laughs> that the facelifts are coming our direction now. Um, but I know that you have a bunch booked and, and so do I. And so one of the things that we need to talk about is the skin prep prior to a facelift. And then when you get back into your Medispot treatments, lasers, Botox, fillers, uh, because it's, it is always a question like, well, when do I get back to the rock spa? When do I start doing that stuff again? Right. And it comes up a lot. And there, I think that the two work very well together and they serve a purpose when used in unison. You do have to time them correctly though. So when you're talking about prepping the skin before a facelift, to me, what that typically means is doing some kind of preparation of the quality and tone and texture of the skin, getting it primed for a facelift because you don't want to do this beautiful facelift where you make everything nice and tight. And then the skin just looks like leather. That's, it's not, it really takes away from the effect of the facelift. Yeah. I, I don't prep every patient with lasers. Um, but if they, if they look like my sofa, then I I tell them that we've got to do something about that before we get in there. Cause typically when I see a patient, uh, for a facelift, you know, face, brow, eyes, the whole deal. Um, and that's the other thing people always say, well, what is the facelift? I mean, typically the technical definition of a facelift is the lower, the lower face, the jawline and the neck, uh, combined together. And really, you know, facelift is a jawline, uh, kind of clarifying procedure. That's what it does. Um, when you talk about the brow and the mid face and eyelids and all that, that's sort of different, but some people lump that all together and call that a facelift. So it's always important to be clear about the the terminology that you're using. Uh, but regardless, the time that I will tell somebody to do some lasers is when their, their skin is just looks like it is not going to move. It's leathery, it's sun damaged to the, out the gazoo. And it looks like we're going to have a hard time making it look nice. Then I always do send them for a little bit of resurfacing, either one or two treatments. If we have, you know, you need four or five months for that. You can't just like yeah. do the lasers and then get in the operating room. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. You need to give it some time to, to cool down. And it depends on the, the type of laser you're doing. You know, if you're doing a CO2 laser, which is very effective with just one, maybe two treatments, you know, you only need one or two treatments. If you're doing a pixel laser or Morpheus or something that's a little bit less intense with the resurfacing, maybe you want to look at doing two, three, or four, depending on the severity of the skin. 
And you can certainly do it afterwards as well. But I agree that getting the skin ready for the facelift is very important because you want to have that big reveal moment where you take the bandages off, you wait a week or so, you see the swelling coming down and you just look like this newer, more refreshed version of yourself. And that's a lot harder to do when you still have that old, dry, sun-damaged skin. And it also depends where you practice. We practice in Southern California, so people are, get a lot of sun damage here. It's just part of the deal. Back in Pittsburgh, everybody's skin was like butter. And uh, <laughs> it's just, you know, you, you can, it was, they, they just never saw the sun. There was only 64 sunny days a year on average in, in the Berg. And so those folks didn't really need to be preconditioned. They were already, you know, basically they had like really soft skin that was not overly toasted. Our, uh, you know, golf crew and our boating crew and our, you know, sun worshiper crew here in SoCal definitely needs a little bit of love before they get under the knife. Yeah. And I, w- I usually like to say, you know, whatever laser treatment you decide to do, um, ideally you will have completed it like four to six weeks before surgery. Cause you want your skin to have healed and recovered and not be angry and mad when you go and make some cuts and elevate it. So six weeks, I think, would sort of be my ideal time period to finish yeah. your last round before doing a facelift. I agree with that. And, and you don't have to do it before. You can certainly do it after. But there are some patients I'm just like, we, we got to get this done first. We're, this isn't, we're going to wind up doing the facelift twice. Yeah. And then afterwards, you know, you can really, you know, you can do it as early as I would say even a couple of days to a week afterwards. But I don't really know that there's much benefit to doing it that early. Um, other than that, you can sort of save yourself some downtime. Like if you're already planning on being sort of inconspicuous and out of work for two weeks, then maybe you do want to do it pretty soon just so you have some downtime to recover as well from that. Otherwise, you know, you can wait a month, six weeks, something like that. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's the, one of the misconceptions that patients have is like, oh, I'm having this brow lift, so I'll never need Botox again. That, that's not true. I mean, in fact, you know, brow lift just repositions the brow and you can do the mid face lift through the same incisions and get a repositioning of the mid face, but you're still going to need Botox because we didn't remove your muscles that cause the wrinkles. The muscles are still there. They're still going to work. They're still going to move. So you will still need to do Botox. You'll still need fillers but it'll be different. You'll look better. And the fillers are act- fillers and Botox will actually have a, a stronger effect and, and really enhancing what you've done. So that, that uh, is kind of the, the way to think about it is it's like, okay, I'm going to get my facelift at age, whatever, anywhere right now I'm seeing people between age 42 and, and 60 really are the, the prime candidates. I think once you're past 60, 65, you can get the facelift, but you've, you're a little late to the dance. It's, it's okay. You should certainly do it, um, especially like uh, the 60 to 65 redo faces work out great. Uh, but, you know, you just have to kind of, it's better to get in earlier and get it done earlier so that you can enjoy, a, enjoy the effects of it. But also, you never have that old lady look. You never have that old face that, that comes where it's like, oh, my God, now I need a facelift, which is kind of where I'm going. So, you know, we're gonna, which I've already talked to you about what we're going to do with this. So I know it's an ongoing saga, but we'll, we'll get to it. Um, so that's it. I mean, I think you, you want to be able to get back into your Medispa treatments and into your, you know, your, your uh, routine, your aesthetic routine. Again, 
I'll refer everybody back to, you know, make the aesthetic plan, the new year, new you podcast. I think it was from 2021 in January um, where we kind of went over, like you should have a plan for how you're going to manage your aesthetics. Because if you, uh, if you treat it like it's part of your health regimen, you'll get really great results with it. And you'll be very satisfied with the uh, time and effort that you put into it. Right. And we discussed the timing of facelifts with your fillers and your non-invasives and, and when you're sort of ready for that in our other podcast, the fillers versus facelift podcast, because eventually there comes a time when the fillers sort of tap out and stop doing what a facelift can then do better for you. But that, like you said, it doesn't mean that you won't keep doing fillers and Botox after your surgery because you will still have a need for them. The difference is that now the fillers will work on you like they do in someone who's in their mid to late thirties, early forties, who fillers work pretty well on in, in camouflaging the signs of aging. Now you've sort of put yourself back into that population where a little bit of fillers will go a long way in camouflaging some of the residual areas of concern of the face. Because a facelift is not going to fix every single thing on your face. It's going to make you look a lot better, but it's not going to smooth away every single line. Sometimes you still need to come back for those fillers. And then the other thing with the Botox, the great thing about having a brow lift is that you can actually go even more to town with the Botox on your forehead. Because a lot of times when you have descent of the eyebrows, you have to be very judicious with how much Botox you put in your forehead because otherwise your brows will drop even more. So you sort of have to accept that there's still going to be some movement and some wrinkles if you do the Botox with this lower eyelid position. But once you raise the eyebrows back up where they're supposed to be, you can go to town with the Botox. You can make your forehead as frozen as you want it to be. <laughs> You're not going to drop True. those eyebrows. Yeah, they, so, they, they kind of stay up there. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's where you can really, really enjoy the benefits of the Botox and the fillers without having to worry too much about, you know, overdoing it or not seeing the true benefits of them. Well, I, you know, agree a hundred percent. And, you know, when we do our, you know, our facelifts for um, our patients, the, the big, you know, the, the big wow factor is that they do look like themselves. They look very natural but they look refreshed. And I, and I always say, I don't know that a facelift makes people look younger. I think it just makes them look better. They look like a better version of their 55 year old self. Correct. And, and maybe they look younger. Maybe they look, you know, like they're like somebody couldn't guess their age, but I don't think that's the point. The point is to look awesome. And, you know, I, I, yes, maybe people will get your age wrong or whatever. They probably will. Um, because, because it does reverse those things that make you look older. It gets rid of the jowl, it, you know, it gets a clean jawline. It elevates the cheek. It makes the face more heart-shaped instead of, you know, boxy. And, you know, especially in women, you know, when they're, when they're aging, the problem that you see is that estrogen falls off the table and the testosterone stays, you know, sort of at its normal level. So it has more effect with the unopposed, uh, with the estrogen dropping and their, their faces become manly. And, uh, I think there was a line in Borat where some, you know, old lady was kind of yelling at him and he goes, I am not sure what this old man was saying to me, you know, something, and you know, she did, when you looked at her, she looks like a man and that that's why it was funny. 
but it's because it's true. I, I do see that as women age, their face gets much boxier. It's much more masculine. And when you get a facelift, it, it gets you that heart shaped face. It elevates the, the tissues that are going into that position. It doesn't change the, the shape of the mandible itself. Um, that's something that can be changed and we can, you know, talk about it on another podcast, but certainly like getting that manly face to be more, uh, heart shaped and more oval makes a big difference to returning femininity to women and making them just look better, fresher. Yeah, no, agreed. I don't, I mean, I don't, that's an interesting point about the hormones. I don't really know. I don't know about that. I do know that women's faces do become more square shaped as they age. And it's really, it's because of the descent of the soft tissue. It literally falls off your cheekbones. It goes from being high up on the cheeks to falling off of them to the bottom of your face. So you do go from that nice heart shape to a square. And that is definitely a, a sign of an aging face. So that's what, that's what the facelift does. It puts it back sort of where it came from. But the other thing that really ages the face is the quality of the skin. You know, that sure. you, you can lift and tighten a face as much as possible. But if the skin is leathery and sun damaged and wrinkled, you're going to give away your age and you're not going to look so refreshed or rejuvenated. So that's why that skin preparation is really, really, really key for anyone considering a facelift. Yeah. So th- there you have it. You may need some skin prep. You're definitely going to want to get back to all your Botox fillers and, and some maintenance lasers after the facelift. And again, that's why, you know, rock spa has been so important in, in the practice because it really is a way to, after we do the surgery to send them to our expert uh, PAs and nurses that can continue to work with them on it. And, you know, then when they need more surgery, you send them back over to the surgeon and, you know, that's, that's kind of how you stay looking awesome, you know, and never really giving in to like, I need to look old. Yeah. No one needs to look old. No, that's, that's not a thing. We're not into it, but that's, that, that's why we're here, by the way, that's yes. part of, that's part of our job description, prevent people from looking like old people. Which is why I'm probably going to have my facelift before you have yours. <laughs> That may happen. <laughs> because neither of us need to look like old ladies. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> well, I don't want to look like an old lady, which is why I'm scared of this facelift. You know, it's something I'm going to need to do, but I don't know. We'll figure that part out. Well, that sounds good. Anything else, Dr. Ravello? Anything else on our preps and getting back to the med spa? Nope, that's it. Well, then with that, this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. Thanks for listening to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. If you want to reach Dr. Ravello or myself, we're available for consultations. We can also be reached through the websites. Dr. Ravello, what's your website? My website is rovelloplasticsurgery.com. And the phone number to reach us here in the office is 310-954-1355. And I do want to mention Rock Spa, which is the sponsor, truly the financial backer of this podcast. And Rock Spa is the Medi Spa that's located both in Newport Beach and Beverly Hills, providing Botox, fillers, lasers, microneedling, esthetician services like hydrofacials. We have incredible people. They do great stuff. And I highly recommend taking a look at the websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com. All the information is also on my website, drcalvert.com.